0: Welcome, adventurer, to the Level Up Board Game Podcast, a show that uses your experiences and opinions to discuss board games and the gaming community. Join the heroes as they conquer perils such as meeples, cards, and miniatures, all in an effort to level up. You're listening to the Level Up Board Game Podcast. Hey, now, Scott, episode 26... We're on of
1: the Level Up Board Game Podcast. How you doing today? Hey, not doing too bad. Not doing too bad. We're hitting Tech Week of the play, and the old slogan that goes along with that is, "I can't." It's Tech Week. <laughs> you got to be tired. Eh? Yeah, this is all just for the play. Tonight was first run through. Lights were up, so everyone was oh. sweating profusely. Yeah, it was just a really warm evening. You confident? You ready? Oh, I'm never confident. I'm always terrified. (laughs) I mean, it's like whenever the light goes up, I feel like I'm on a roller coaster. It's just that slow tick, 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 tick going up the hill. And as soon as you step on stage, that's that first hill you go down, you're in for the ride. There's no stopping.
0: Well, welcome, adventurers! We mentioned last episode, and I'll mention it again because we have a ton of new listeners of late. This episode has a particular title and a bunch of sharing that I think is going to have some new faces. The Love Up Board Game Podcast is a show that releases every other Thursday. This is kind of an off week. We do our side quests in between from time to time, and we have something that doesn't quite fit into a regular episode. In this case, a designer interview with Cody Miller. Scott, you
1: remember playing Zaya with me a Whoa.
0: couple months back?
1: Yes, 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 I do remember <laughs> playing Zaya. That was, that was a lot of fun, the ability to play that and not really have... You have a, a victory that you want to go to, but how you get there, hey, however the hell you want to get there, you can get there. It's awesome. It's like the poster child for a sandbox game. You
0: can play an economic game, an aggressive game, an explorer, pick up and deliver. All the mechanics play out really eloquently in Zaya, and it's it's not an easy game to learn, but it's not very complex either, and it offers a ton of meaningful decisions. Ever since I played Zaya for the first time, I thought, oh man, who's this Cody Miller guy? Who's far off games? And they don't He doesn't make a lot of games. I was a Kickstarter. He's got one or two other credits under BoardGameGeek, and that's it. But I was like, man, he's one of my favorites just on the strength of that
1: one game. He's got another game up on Kickstarter. Iridia. This Iridia came up, and it's a whole new bag of worms that he just put out there. It's really very exciting to see this. The components of it
0: look absolutely stunning. You get the painted ships like you do in zaya uh, There's like dual and triple layer boards with little inset hexes that you don't know what it is. So you, you're going around on an overworld map, and as you flip a hex, it's going to give you some place that you're adventuring into in that overworld, kind of like a, like when you're flipping through a game of Mario. You know, you click on the button for this land, and now you're in the world of it. That's kind of what he's shooting <laughs> no, I mean, for, and it's, it's a fantasy, fantasy. setting. Totally different than, than Zaya.
1: Personally, I'm of the whole camp of, don't give me a whole lot of Kickstarters, but give me a couple really high-quality Kickstarters. And this is definitely looking like what he's doing. Well, listeners, we try and do these interviews whenever we have a game that we truly believe in. This
0: is one that I've already backed. Scott, I think after talking with Cody here, you're probably going to be backing it as well. Yes, I will. Well, let's not take too much time. It is late, so let's let's get to talking with Cody. What do you say? Let's do it. All right, adventurers, we have Cody Miller. Cody, I'm thanks for joining out right now zaya is one of my favorite games and when i was starting to like get into the hobby and talk about you know designers that i really like you listen to other shows and they'll have their segments on who's your favorite designer and whatnot you know one that has always stuck in my mind is oh cody miller made zaya and that's like (laughs) man that's That's God's status of board gaming for me. And now I'm talking and geeking out, (laughs) man. No doubt
1: about that.
2: That's awesome. Thank you, Patrick. Uh, Man, uh, it makes my heart very happy to hear that. uh, It's definitely a labor of love for me. So it... It's so exciting to hear. Other people enjoy it, too. Oh, we definitely love Zaya here. Well,
0: I could talk to you about Zaya all day. I have some suggestions, by the way, about things to tweak in Zaya. Oh, (laughs) But we're here today. We have you on the show because of Aridia. You've got Aridia live on Kickstarter. When this episode's live, I think we're going to have something like 10 days left to back it. We wanted to share a bit about Aridia. With listeners. And I wanted to give you the floor to tell us a little bit about the world of Ridia. You know, what's yeah. at first glance, you see fantasy world, and you go, okay, you mm-hmm. know, generic fantasy is sort of a derogatory term. Sure. How are you going to describe it to listeners so that we know this isn't generic fantasy?
2: Yeah. So it's it's interesting. Um, I think the cover art, if you go to Board Game Geek, you can see our cover art or on our Kickstarter page. We feature that heavily. And my goal in designing Aradia's world was to put one hand on the past, on my nostalgia for games that I've played in my youth. Things like Baldur's Gate, Neverwinter Nights, uh, MUDs that I used to play, like text based kind of games. So I wanted to put one hand on the past and I wanted to put one hand on the future, meaning modern board game design. So streamlined mechanics, things that aren't completely luck based and like not as swingy as things could be. Um, And so just lots of care into the modernization of those things. And so Mm -hmm. I wanted the world to sort of match that. Uh things like lord of the rings or skyrim we want to sort of evoke that when you look at box art and when you think about the world of iridia i think generic fantasy feels like the wrong word to me to me it feels it feels like like the golden age of fantasy in in one sense i mean i feel like there are amazing stories still to come in fantasy but i really want to evoke that feeling of like this is a fantasy world i know where i am there's elves there's dwarves then we can go from that baseline, that understanding, that nostalgia, and we can play with that over the course of the game. And I don't want to get too much into it. But yeah, we have our own take on how the world plays out. And part of iridia I mean, a huge part of iridia is just exploration. So I don't want to take that away from people. We're doing this intentionally that you're like, all right, I know where I am. This is fantasy. And then we start the adventure there.
0: So you have some comfort with the familiarity that you have with the setting. And then your differentiation, what separates is, oh, wait a minute. I notice on the board, you have the inset board where you turn over the tiles and, yeah. <laughs> oh, look at what I just discovered. Card associated with it, you read it and it might be different than it was the last time that you played. You're saying that's where you're going to get your differentiation is the exploration of these tiles, the things that you run into, the, the encounters that you have are going to be different from what you might expect.
2: Yeah. And part of my design goal originally was I have a group of board gamers that we play every week. And they had never done a role playing game, and I had never DM'd a role playing game, and so I thought this is going to be great. We're going to play, uh, you know, Pathfinder or DD, whatever. And so I started doing research, and um, it came to me. It was like I need to be doing about two to three hours of prep as a DM every week for this game. Mm-hmm. And and my my gaming group, you know, they're not into role playing. They want a lot of tactical based combat. That kind of thing is what what they really like. And so I thought. If I'm going to be doing this much work, why don't I figure a way to like box it up and I can give my design to everybody? And so that was sort of the genesis for Aridia is this idea of like, can I take like a pen and paper campaign and put it in a box and change the flavor of it so that it really tastes good to a board gamer? (laughs) If that makes sense.
0: That does make sense. And you know what? I'm reading over the campaign page and. I noticed that you do touch on the fact that it is, it has these role-playing elements and yeah. I've seen that before. You know, I, I played uh, tainted grail solo. I'm sure you're familiar with the, the awaken realms title and yes. there is an element of role-playing where, you know, in the right crowd, with the right group. And I imagine mm-hmm. this might be a, a little bit of what you're trying to evoke from your game group. If you can get people to act out, a certain way. If you get people to get in the character that I'm sure. running into. So when they're reading that card, I feel like I'm there creates an immersion. Then you've tapped into something great. The problem is what if you get that game group where I don't want to say like, Oh, what if you get the no, Euro no. game group, but you get those people that like playing 18 XX and they want mm-hmm. a very finite, like a linear pattern game. How do you get them to play into the role? And you actually kind of gamified that a little bit, didn't you? I
2: really want to be sensitive to people's tastes, especially board gamers. And I feel like role playing is an area of vulnerability, like putting yourself out there in front of people. And that is scary, intimidating, and oftentimes awkward and doesn't feel great. I really don't want gaming groups to feel that Aridia requires role-playing in any way. So if you are a game group and you completely just want to interact with Aridia mechanically, that is totally possible. You don't have to role-play at all. You don't have to make any voices. There is narrative text to be read aloud. All the text can be read in just like your normal voice. You don't have to do anything weird. So now like, if you're um, a
0: gamer, you got to do something weird. <laughs> oh, sure, sure. I just,
2: I just want to reassure people that it's not like, because I have friends who are it's like, I don't want to role play. This is not fun. And I feel like with Aridia, as the game goes on and you become more comfortable with like, okay, it's my turn to run a character. Mechanically, this is the most efficient thing we can do because we're incentivized to take the role of the guide. The guide is the person basically running an NPC or an event card. And so NPCs are represented by a double-sided card. On one side, it has sort of your intro text and some options to choose. And then on the back, depending on what options you choose, are like the results of those options. So if we were so talking- if
0: I run into an NPC in game mechanically, the the player to my left or right is going to get that card, and they're going to I don't want to say act out, but they're going to basically uh, function as the game for me. Correct.
2: Yeah. So they are the guide. Very. And cool. um, they will be. Rewarded with a role-playing point if they're able to get you to get to basically a line of dialogue or a line of text. Huh. And mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a very simple system, it's not too gamified. Like as you choose through the questions, you will get to it. It's basically designed so if you wanted to role-play it, you have all of the text needed. So you have a little character portrait, you've got the name of your character. You've got a couple little like character motivations and maybe like a quirk, like this character has a deep voice or this character has a stuffy nose. And so <laughs> so if you want, you can like role play with a stuffy nose, you know, that sort of, and if you don't want to role play it, it just gives you a little bit of information about this character you're interacting with. So you could read it out loud to your group. But um, my hope is that over the course of a campaign, your group becomes more comfortable with those things. And you can have a lot of fun sort of hamming it up I know my game group, we will do this even on games that you should not be role playing. We'll just, <laughs> and and these are people who would say like, um, I love my game group. I, they would probably say on paper, like, I don't role play, but they totally get into role. Like we played the Harry Potter game. Mm-hmm. Each game you play is one of the movies. And so um, in movie four, I got like a Potter stinks. Um, <laughs> I made a Potter stinks badge for my friend who was playing Potter. And like, we totally role played that whole time but he's not like a role player. And so Aridia, I think we give you the tools. We're going to set it out there. These are toys for you to play with however you want to play with them. And so that's sort of my design with the role playing.
0: From what I could gather, looking at the back of one of these NPC cards, you have three different, we'll say ways that you want to guide the conversation. The front has some some text and some of the words are bold. And it looks like, okay, these are the things that in your interaction, if they mention guild. You know, if if the conversation goes towards guild, you flip the card over and, you know, your interaction, your response to them or what you want to talk about is, oh, Mm -hmm. well, the guild's been around for this many years and we're trying to slay the, but then one of those has a little blue icon. And if I can get the conversation in some way to direct towards the blue icon. Now, I don't even know if there's werewolves in the game. I'm just going to say werewolf. That's one of the bold things on the front. So the blue icon says werewolf. Maybe in my response about guild, I say, oh, but the guilds had issues raising funds at the market ever since the werewolves came around. And then if I can get my friend Bob to say, oh, tell me about these werewolves. Now I can read the blue text and mechanically, I get that little marker that, what do you call the RP, the role-playing point. (laughs) It's a modifier so that later on in the game, I can use that role-playing point to modify like a plus three to a die roll, correct?
2: Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And it's after the fact. So you roll and you rolled too low and um, dice oftentimes people say dice hate me and so this is one of those mechanics that feels so good because you roll the die you didn't make your check so maybe you were doing something simple like you're swinging your sword and you needed to roll 11 or higher and you rolled like an eight or a nine right so you get to spend this role playing point that you've previously earned for running a card for someone else so you've i've been the guide for you and i've ran an npc You've talked about werewolves and I earned that point. I put it on my player board. Now I can add plus three later in the game. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I'm making the sword swing. I miss, but I spend this role playing point. And now the rules of the game say, describe why you get plus three. And so it's very simple. So I, if I want to role play, I can, otherwise I can say I get plus three because I spent this thing that would totally be fine. Or you could say, I dig deep down into my childhood and I remember, you know, whatever. And I (laughs) swing from my very heart and I crush this. Yeah. So like you can ham it up as much as you want. I think that's going to
1: be spectacular. And that the
0: game actively encourages players to do that while not forcing it. 100%. I like that.
1: That's a differentiator
0: compared to other games that. You know, we see Kickstarters all the time that say, well, oh, this it has a role-playing element, or you can role-play it to your sure. point. You can role-play Brass if you want. Everybody just talks <laughs> funny, and voila, you're role-playing Brass. Yeah, yeah, exactly. When the game actively incentivizes you to do so, that's cool. Very cool. I, I thought oh, that was you. that's unique to Aridia. Thank you, yeah. We skipped ahead a little bit. We started off talking about the world of Aridia, and part of the way that we bring out the theme, the feeling, the flavor of course it's through the art and the components yeah. now you have a ton of artwork on the, on the on the kickstarter page you have tons of miniatures pre-painted just like Zaye. you have pre-painted i think yeah right Me if i'm wrong it says comes with 60 yeah wow how are you doing all this painting all by yourself
2: oh man i've got a workshop <laughs> here no um i painted all the ones that you see on the kickstarter page those are all oh prototypes. did you oh very yeah. nice. thank you but no, we have a factory in Shenzhen, China. We work with Panda Game Manufacturers. They, they're the people who have done Zaya and they've done our pre-painted miniatures for like seven years now. So we're very confident working with them. Um, as far as like the pre-painted miniatures, I've started working on those years ago and like talking with our manufacturer throughout the whole process. Like, how can we do this so that we can have this many miniatures and how can we design them in such a way that the painting process, like the manufacturing process, is easy? <laughs> and so there's like small things. Otherwise, you can it, it costs do. an yeah. arm
0: and a leg. I think a lot of it... it's uh, still costs an arm and a
2: leg. But this is this is like something we can do in the real world with good-looking miniatures. They're not gonna be the same kind of miniatures that like, you know, professional painters where you have They're not winning the crystal like brush. Each eye looks glossy and you're like, how did they get the retina on there? But this is this is like on the table. This looks beautiful. Just like Zaya. I can look across the table. I know exactly what I'm fighting. And that feels really good to me.
0: You know what? I actually have always thought I'm a fan of unpainted miniatures. And mm. yet with a game like Zaya, I can't imagine. Like, maybe I've convinced myself that I'm a fan of unpainted miniatures because I don't paint miniatures. Sure. I can't imagine playing Zaya without the painted minis. They add just that little extra flavor to it. Yeah. I'm really excited that you guys are going in that direction with Aridia as well.
2: Thank you. Yeah, it's it's very near and dear to my heart. And every copy gets them is the important thing. It's not a exclusive. It's When you see this game come up on Board Game Geek and the images five years from now, you go, that looks amazing. There's no way I could get that. And then when you go, I want you to go... And you look on Amazon and it's like, that that's the game I get today? Yes, I want that. And so I'm very excited for people to get like this premium version of the game. It makes me very happy to do.
0: Well, not just pre-painted. These miniatures have another unique factor, something to make them customizable for the player. So I'm not playing the figure that I picked out of the box. I get to make it my own. Tell us a little yeah. bit about that.
2: One of the important aspects of role playing games to me is creating your character. Um, Making it unique to yourself. Yeah. When I play video games, especially role playing games, I will devote like an entire evening just to playing in the character creator. I want to, you know, adjust how big my nose is and like what color my hair. Like, I love all that. You don't have
0: to tell me. I used to have, back in like 99, I had SmackDown on the PlayStation. A friend of mine, we were really into professional wrestling oh, at that yeah. time and we would spend more time making the character than actually playing the game totally
2: I, yeah so i love it i don't have hair now so i get to like fantasize <laughs> about hairstyles no but it's um yeah so in iridia a lot of how i feel about board games is like how can i take a really cool aspect of something and like crystallize it and take it into like its most simple form And in Aridia, when you create your character, you get to choose your class, which in Aridia, we call your path. So that's like your warrior, your rogue. Those are like path of valor, path of shadow. But those are your character class. And then you get to choose your portrait. So you get to pick your character head. So there's these tiles that have this beautiful artwork by David and Lena Cassette, the Mr. Cuttington. And they did all these awesome portraits. So we have dwarves and halflings, elves. Uh, We've just revealed as a stretch goal, there's going to be cat people called the fellish. Nice. uh, (laughs) Yeah. So you choose your class. So you get the body of like the warrior. They're holding the sword and the shield. And it's like, that's what I have on my player mat. Those match the tiles. This all looks really good. And then when you say the body,
0: you mean a miniature, like literally a mini that's just, here's a body.
2: Yeah. And it has a hole where the head should be. And then uh, you pick your portrait. So I'm going to play as a halfling and I want to, I want to be the halfling guy that has, you know, this sort of brown hair, or I want to be the girl who has the purple bonnet. You take that portrait and you put it in your character sheet. And then you also get a miniature head that matches that portrait and you mm-hmm. click that into the body so there's a little like a little clicking mechanism it's really simple but yeah you just slide the head in and it clicks in so that it's part of that miniature now you can pop it right out if you want but when you're using it the head doesn't just fly out when you pick it up that was an issue in you the You can prototype. turn it upside
0: down and shake it and it's totally you can good. grab
2: that, you can grab it by the head and use it totally you have to apply a little pressure to pull it out so yeah you get your own customized miniature um David who works with me has he runs the numbers on how many character combinations there are and there's a lot nice yeah
0: so we've got a really customizable open world. I don't I'm making it an issue to not try and relate things to Zaya, but when you say exploration, sure. I I envision in Zaya where you go to the edge of one of the tiles and you start exploring the next tile and yeah. here's the token on there and that that's our mechanic for potentially getting more resources, more points. This does mm-hmm. it a little bit differently. I mentioned whenever we started talking that you have an inset board for a map, it looks like that's the map yeah. that you're moving around on, and you have a bunch of little hexes on the board. I assume face down, placed uh, mm-hmm. per instruction or at random to start your game. And then as you go to those hexes, you'll you'll take that hex out of the inset dual layered board, flip it upside down, and then set it. Tell us a little bit more yeah. about the actual mechanic, the exploration of the game, because you, it sounds like you would define this as an exploration game first, and yeah. then other. So,
2: so when we des- when I designed Aridia, there's four pillars that I wanted to work around. Exploration is the biggest, and then combat, progression, character, and world progression, and mm-hmm. role playing. So those were sort of the four things. So as far as exploration goes, we have a world map, which is that hex-based map that you talked about. It actually has three layers to the punch board. Oh uh, so <laughs> it's part. this this was something that is done. I've done so many iterations with my manufacturer over the years trying to get this to work. Just working with small things like the amount of bleed required for glue spread so that glue doesn't get on the hexagons.
0: Now you're really getting into the things that listeners yeah, want to hear
2: about. Yeah, exactly. So, so, I mean, like, I just, I just want to assure messing. them that, like, we have really gone into the weeds as far as, like, trying to design this well. It's not just like, well, maybe this will work. It's like, no, I have a, I have prototypes. Like, this is a system that I feel is well designed. When you get your copy of the game, the world map that you start on has hexes, and they're all face down. You don't have to put them there. They come face down. And um, when you explore, so you're going to start out in one of the hexagons, that's the exiles camp, that's where you're going to start the game. And from there, you're going to start your adventure. From that spot, you can adventure in any direction. After, after the tutorial, you can go in any direction you want, basically. And so Now, maybe the exiles
0: you'll... camp is basically the tutorial. You, yeah, it you venture around within the exile camp, and okay, now I understand how to play. It's sort of hold your hand through the rules is what I gather. Completely, yeah. So like there's that. a
2: there'll be a rule book that is basically here's how to learn how to play. If you're going through and this is your second campaign or something, don't worry about it. You can just skip it and start exploring right away. But I highly recommend you gain your first level at the end of the tutorial, so it's it's a good thing to walk through. Huh. Mm-hmm, uh,
0: mm-hmm.
2: After that, yeah, the world map opens up as far as you can go in any direction, and that is the feeling that I really wanted to capture with Aridia of like all right we have this map it's us we've made our characters where do we want to go and from there you can just start adventuring so you will move your party token on the world map there's like a small resource management press your luck mechanic for traveling the world map there's a deck of cards called the travel deck and as you move from hex to hex you flip one card over and you can become exhausted if you mismanage things, basically. You try
0: and go too far, sure. Yeah, yeah.
2: And so, so we kind of have this at the start of the game. You start at the Exiles camp, you go out exploring, you run out of stamina, you come back to the Exiles camp, you rest, and then you go out a little bit further. So it's not... So, so there's this little bit of a town loop mechanic that we've designed so that you're going out fighting, coming back, and your armor's all beat up, kind of like in Zaya when your ship gets damaged very Mm -hmm. similar. So you get that same feeling of like, I've, I've made it to a planet and I'm repairing and like, Oh, that feels so good. In a we wanted to sort of capture that parallel of like, you go out, you fight stuff, and then you come back. And now you've got like experience, you can level up, you repair all your armor. And it's like, all right, now let's go back out again. And let's go further this time. It is similar to Zaya in that you're sort of going to the edge of what's known, and then you're exploring what's unknown. With Zaya, I love it. You have a stack of tiles that you you know all of these tiles if you've played before. And when you flip them over, they're kind of like old friends coming up and you're like, okay, but how are they going to work out mechanically? Like this is this far away from here. And so with Aridia, the way I talked about it internally to myself is I wanted to have true exploration where if this is the you know fifth time you're playing Aridia and you're like a ways into the campaign with your friends, You still don't know what's coming all the way up until, you know, the very end of the game. You won't know, like until you finish your campaign, you won't know what is coming every session. I want you to be like, this is a new thing. We've never seen this, this art that we're exploring, this character, this like we, I want you to feel like every session is new exploration. And so that's, that's the feeling that i'm going for with iridia so the world is handcrafted it's not randomized every location is unique and basically i've taken a bunch of adventures and sort of spread them out in this world map mm-hmm. and it all links together and there's there's a lot of inner working systems but that's sort of the general idea is like we've just discovered this new thing we flipped over a new hexagon and now we're able to adventure inside of it. And that's one thing that um, we haven't talked about, but the hex map is just the overworld. And the, yes. the real fun is actually exploring the things you discover on the overworld. So I don't know if you wanted to lead into oh, that. Oh,
0: absolutely. Uh, adventures what he's getting at. You have to see this on the Kickstarter page. So <laughs> you flip over a tile and it says you know, what, what location it is. There's a separate board, a separate map that, okay, this is the representation of that tile. And on this separate map, there's say a closed house. And that closed house has its own overlay. So you have to go up to the door. Then you can get the overlay, place it on there. And that's going to say, okay, here's what's in here. Now that you've walked in and there might be an NPC, maybe there's a bad guy in there. You don't know. You don't know until you go in there. And you don't even know what that world, what that sideboard representing that hex looks like until you've gone there. That
1: looks special. That seems so
0: deep, like the discovery aspect, you know, the the sensation that I think this is going to give people that want to explore, it feels unique. Thank you. Yeah.
2: And, and so we have, as far as the world map is concerned, when you discover a location, we have, as you said, maps that you pull out, those Mm -hmm. maps come in four different sizes. So we have a big, medium, small, and large, long, the biggest is like about a sheet of paper big. So it's like decent sized map. And the smallest is uh, about as big as like four inches square, basically. And we use those. It kind of takes off of how Zaya has pointers at the edges of the maps and you place tile next to it. That's the same idea with the maps. So the maps, we have so many of them, I couldn't do them in cardboard tiles. They had to be made of cardstock. So they're made of the same kind of cardstock as playing cards. We have over 300 of them. Holy cow. Each one has unique hand-painted art and like a description of what you're seeing on the back and sometimes special rules. And sometimes they'll, like you said, overlay on top of things. So yeah, if you're exploring a village, every house that you can see in the village, that it'll have a door and you'll draw another map, like one of the small map tiles. And you put that and maybe there's a staircase from that one. And then you'll draw like a long one and there's a staircase and you don't know when you discover a place on the overworld map, you have no idea what you're going to find there. And that is that sort of true feeling of exploration that I wanted to capture So We went into this house just looking to
0: interact with an NPC. Next thing we know, we're going down in the basement. There's a hole that's leading us to One-Eyed Willie's treasure. (laughs) That's
1: (laughs) phenomenal. Now you
0: said there's pointers in Zaya where the two Mm -hmm. hex tiles need to match up. You're saying that if I take one of these map boards for the hex location of the map, not only are you going to have potentially having overlaying pieces where, for example, there's a house, but there's also pointers on the edges here where if I go to this edge of this map, I grab a new map piece and put it next to it. And uh-huh. it's not just one sheet that represents the oh, hex no. style that you're exploring. No. It can and be sometimes,
2: Yeah. And sometimes instead of the big one, it'll start with a small one. You're like, okay, where is this going? And there'll be pointers off of that. And then it'll be a long one. And so the way the maps look and unfold, like we play with that throughout the course of the game. So I want you to feel this. <laughs> this is really corny, but like a design goal for me is s- surprise and delight. And so that is, like, every location that I'm working with, I want you to feel that sense of, like, are you surprised? Are you delighted by what you found? And I hope that the answer is yes.
0: Let's transition this a little bit into the actual uh, the, the combat that you might run into in the yeah. game. You have a pretty unique system with these pattern dice and this Mm -hmm. maybe it's out there i don't know maybe you can name a game that has it i haven't seen it before sure i'll say what i think it is and then you can tell everybody what it is yeah you have these dice that have uh we'll say a a pattern of squares on them four down then three on either side and that basically represents your character card shoulder shoulder uh stomach leg leg foot foot head all in that grid pattern basically and these Uh dice that you roll represent that grid pattern and various spots might have, you know, it might be colored in, which means, you know, what, that's where the bad guy uh, hit you. So, oh crap, he got my right shoulder. Guess what? Yes. I'm wearing armor on my right shoulder. So I was able to protect myself, but had he hit my left shoulder, I'm not wearing anything there. It would have caused damage. Now yeah. you give everyone the real description of how it works.
2: <laughs> no, th- I mean you're you're very close. So a lot of the systems in Zy or sorry, in Iridia, I wanted to be as much as possible. I want things to make sense at a glance. So if you're playing with a child, which I, it needs to just that's make anybody sense.
0: that's playing with me, sure,
2: yeah, or <laughs> childlike gamers, I want the game to make sense to you. So when you look at your character mat, you have as you described, you have armor spaces. And so when you find armor, it has a specific spot on your body that you equip it. And this is just, um, again, back to that like nostal- one hand on nostalgia. This is from like games like Morrowind, where it's like, I found a pauldron for my right shoulder. You put it on, I'm, like, I love that kind of thing in games. Mm-hmm. And so um, this is Aridia's crystallization of that. like. When you find loot, you put it on your character's body in a specific spot. And then when monsters attack you, as you said, um, we have four different attack pattern dice for monsters. We call them hit dice. And those hit dice have yeah this the same outline of your body, basically. And you roll it, and different um, pattern dice will hit in different spots. So for example, um, a monster that might be smaller and could only attack you. On the feet and legs, there's a die that only targets the lower spots of your body. Or Mm -hmm. a monster that is maybe doing attacks from the top. We have another dice that deals with like your head and shoulders mainly. That's just one aspect of combat. That's just when monsters attack you. And so when you attack monsters, we have a completely different but somewhat similar system.
0: Well, give us the flavor of that. What happens when I want to attack the monster?
2: In Aridia, the monsters have hit points, just like you would see in most RPGs, except our hit points, we decided to make them into a two-dimensional grid. Mm
1: -hmm. So
2: each monster has a unique card for it. So if you're fighting, um, say, three of the exact same monster, each monster will have their own unique card with a layout of their hit points in a grid. And that grid will also have special things on it, like critical points, armored points, weak points. And your weapons that you have, have attack patterns. So maybe I have a sword and it cuts from left to right across. And you have a dagger and it does diagonal damage. These weapons you use to apply attack patterns to the monster's grids. The monster's defeated when their entire grid is full of damage, but the way that damage is met out is up to you. And so being efficient with those patterns, so me using my sword, you using your dagger, And then Ira has his bow, like all these patterns can mesh together where, yeah, you're just dealing damage, but also you can be way more efficient if you deal that damage
0: in a smart way. In a certain pattern. If you hit here and here first, that could chain into kind of like an, I don't want to say exploding dice, but that's what it reminds me of like, Oh, if you can do these two first, that'll splinter off and get here, Mm -hmm. which will, since we have all these three filled up, that's going to cause this one to trigger. Like there's a, There's a chain reaction based on how you allocate your hits and the the order at which you do so. Definitely,
2: yeah. And so looking at your skills and your attack patterns, like when monsters come out, I don't want you going, well, what number is it? I want everybody leaning forward on the table and looking at their grids and going, oh, oh, hey, what if I use my skill on this and you did that? combat i want you like leaning forward in your chair excited about fighting this monster not feeling depressed that you have to go through combat again
0: <laughs> and listeners i want you to understand whenever uh, whenever cody's talking about things like grids on the monster we're not talking like uh like having to do some some high level accounting no it's these are very simple oh it's yeah the art of the card whatever you're fighting is there and it's got little bubbles that you know that's the grid it, it's mm-hmm. a bunch of little circles that are on top of the art and that's where you're going to be putting the little damage they look like crystals similar to uh, like in Zaya, the damage that yep, you would take exactly there. the same component just red
2: nice um, but yeah and everything ties together so the art on the monster that you're fighting is the art that we use to make the miniature so that miniature that you're fighting looks just like the place that you're applying the damage and then I'm saying it's a grid, but it's not actually a grid. It's in a grid spacing, but like if a monster is holding something up in the air like a sword, we can have an attack or we can have a hit point up on that and have it be a weak point. When you hit that, it like breaks his sword and now he does minus 1 damage when he attacks. So there's lots of of stuff where we're interplaying art, miniature and mechanics. So everything is very integrated. It's not abstracted mm-hmm. as much as possible.
0: So you got me hyped up to play, but I got to know, how am I winning a game? Is it playing through the entire campaign or can I just play one scenario? And did we meet the objective set out by that scenario?
2: Yeah. Um, So Aridia is designed as a campaign. So for the campaign in Aridia, it is a, we're estimating about a 40 hour campaign. You start at the beginning where you create your characters and over the course of the campaign, you're exploring that world map. And we actually include... Um, multiple world maps in the game when you've finished sort of one at some point, I don't want to, you know, any spoilers, but at some point you'll be able to move on to another one and another one. And so that campaign keeps going. So there isn't like a one-off. It's not a game that you would say, Hey, we're just going to like do some random thing, but we do have fully integrated drop in and drop out co-op. So if you wanted to play solo The game fully supports you playing solo. You can play solo with one character. You can also play solo if you wanted to play like Baldur's Gate style. You could have solo and you're playing as four characters.
0: Go multi-handed, sure.
2: Yeah, you can go multi-handed. Obviously, that's okay. If you want to play a campaign with people and they're not able to make it every week, that's okay. Um, Their character will level up while they're gone. The character doesn't need to join in. When they come back, they can level their character up right to where you are. They won't have any equipment. They wouldn't have got, like, from treasure chests, they would not have gotten their loot, but their character level will be the same as yours. So there's no grinding required. Aridia is completely designed, like, around trying to accommodate you and your game group. And the nice thing is Aridia remembers its game state. So those hexagons that you've flipped over are inset into a board, like in the world map. And when you store it, you store it in such a way that it doesn't... You you don't flip all those back over. So when you pull the game out, you go, oh, here's obviously what we've explored. And here's right where we were. And all your character mats, we have sleeves for all the character boards. So you stack them up and you slide them into the sleeve. And now all your items and equipment is stored safely there. So when you pull it out, you just slide it out of that sleeve and set it in front of you. You're ready to play. So the game tries to accommodate as much as possible your time so that you spend as much time playing rather than... Um, there was a
0: conscientious that- effort to remove that setup and tear down time, which a lot of campaign yeah. games, big dungeon crawly, uh, crawly exploration type games struggle with. And it sounds like that was a point to address here. And both believe yeah. me as a gamer, especially as a gamer that's trying to constantly play things for the sake of a show... I
2: appreciate that. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. And for me as a father and like someone who works, game time is so precious. And the amount of time we take setting up needs to be really worth it. And so I want to do as much as I can as a game designer to alleviate that so that when you sit down to game time, you get as much game time as I can possibly give you.
0: So if you're listening to the show right now, you're thinking, all right, I'm, I'm sold. I'm going over to Kickstarter. I'm going to back this thing. Tell us some details about the Kickstarter. I see we're live until August 31st. If I head over there right now and I click back, what can I be expecting to receive? What's, what's our pledge? What's our tears? What am I getting?
2: If you head over to our Kickstarter page, You'll see our core box is $165. That includes all the painted miniatures, the entire 40 hour campaign, everything you need for you and your friends, up to four people to have an excellent time exploring Aridia. If you want, we have an add on for it's called Epic Hunts. That's a $25 add on. It's more of like, I want to support the project than necessity. It's just a small story light. A few combat scenarios, basically, Mm -hmm. Um, and a miniature, a cute little miniature that you definitely want. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so that's what you'll get. And if you join us, you will also get your name printed on the box, if you want, along with all the other box or all the other backers. I don't know if you have a copy of Zaya, but when you lift the lid up on the inside, there's sort of this dark texture to the box. If you look closely, that is actually every backer who supported Zaya in the first Kickstarter. We would like to do that again with Iridia. So,
0: you know, I've got to warn you this has over three weeks to go. You're already at 5,400 backers. You're going to need a bigger box just to get all these names on there.
2: <laughs> it's a big box, it is a massive box already. So I think we'll be okay, but yeah, we'll see what happens.
0: Now, right now, there's a little bit of a caution with Kickstarter with uh, international shipping and uh, supply chains being backed up. I know this doesn't pertain to the game per se, but you know, if I, oh, I keep saying if I back it. Spoiler: You already got my money. (laughs) Backed it (laughs) already. (laughs) But my question is. When are we expecting this to, I, and I know, I, I know these are not firm listeners. These are not firm dates. Things sure. happen. I yeah. think folks that are into board gaming enough that they listen to a board game podcast, they know that these are penciled in dates and not penned. But what's yeah. our timeline look like from the end of the campaign?
2: Our estimated delivery date is December 22. As far as I can tell, I think that is a realistic estimate. Again, we'll see the state of the world makes it very hard specifically in the logistics aspect of things, shipping containers. So I'm very, I don't want to say very connected, but I have strong connections with someone who we've worked with in logistics from the Zaya campaign. So since 2013, I've been in contact with Justin. He's in logistics. We talk to him anytime we have questions. And he said, it's really hard to predict what's going on right now. But there are shipping containers backed up in all ports all across the world so that's a huge concern as far as how long is it going to be so we've added time into our estimate is it enough time i mean we you have
0: see. no way of knowing
2: you have no way of knowing also talking with our factory there are backups at the factory too based on supply chain restrictions so there's a lot of unknowns in that sense I feel very confident that we can deliver the game at the quality that we're showing with our track record with Zaya and working with the same manufacturer for so long. I feel really good about all of that. The timeline is kind of in the hands of the world as far as like, I mean, everybody knows sort of the state of the world, so...
0: Yes, yes. So nothing new there. Right now, if everything goes well, if things don't change too much, though, we're hoping for somewhere at the tail end of 2022. We're thinking December 22, maybe a month after that, maybe a year early. I'm just (laughs) just messing with you. Well, I'm excited. My butt's going to start hurting because I'm going to be on the edge of the seat for (laughs) a year and a half now. I can't wait. Cody, before we let you get going, we always, I didn't warn you about this and I didn't put it in the notes. We always like to give designers who come on the show a chance to level up.
2: Okay. I like it.
0: Cody, we do this with everyone who comes on the show. We've got eight questions for you. I want you to give (laughs) me the first thing that comes to mind. Are you ready?
1: ready? Awesome. I'm ready. Scott, ready. ready? All right, Cody.
0: Go. If Zaya and Aridia got into a fight, who would win? Zaya. Name a song that you can listen to every day for the rest of your life and still enjoy it. Oh my goodness.
2: Um, Death Cab for Cutie. I was a kaleidoscope.
0: As part of pledging to Iridia, backers will have their name printed on the inside of the box. What happens if the name I submit is instead just a bunch of dirty words? It will be edited <laughs> out. Sorry. Can we have the Puddle Jumper spaceship in Iridia?
2: If you buy Zaya, yes.
0: Can you swim a mile? Maybe. Which toy yeah. is cooler, Legos or action figures? Legos. Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Wars. Very popular YouTube channel, Man vs. Meeple, featuring Jeremy Howard, was given a copy of Iridia for a preview. Why didn't the Level Up Board Game podcast get a copy?
1: Didn't ask. <laughs> <laughs> and time.
0: Oh, well done. That is, uh, that is. I think, Scott Do- That was the best level up challenge we've had yet. Quick on the answers. Cody, well done. We're going to give you a level (laughs) up for your efforts today.
1: Oh, oh, That's definitely a level up. I'm
0: sure you're a busy guy. Before we let you go, is there anything that you want to share with listeners? Obviously, get over to Kickstarter. Check things out.
2: Yeah. First, I just want to say thank you so much for having me on the podcast. You guys are awesome. Great to experience your energy. I'm I'm so hyped just talking with people. The pleasure is all over here, man. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, if you want to follow us on social media, we are at Far Off Games on Twitter and Instagram, Far Off Games on Facebook, uh, basically, Far Off Games everywhere. And yeah, come join us on the Kickstarter if you aren't interested, but it seems cool. Just pledge for a dollar and talk to us in the comments. We'll answer your questions. And yeah, hopefully, we'll see you there.
1: Well, thank you, Cody. Truly, truly, thank you so much, Cody. We don't need to
0: wish you luck. This thing's already funded. I hope it just makes it up to 10,000%. I hope to have you on sometime soon, Cody. I really appreciate it.
2: Thank you so much, Patrick. Really, really, really.
0: Thank you so much for joining this adventure of the Level Up Board Game Podcast. We encourage all adventurers to check out our website at levelupgamepodcast.com. There you can submit your thoughts and audio to be used in a future episode. Please consider rating us on iTunes, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and join the Board Game Geek Guild, Guild 3722. Music for the podcast provided by Adam Haynes. Learn more at adamhaynesmusic.com. And remember, you can spend another night on the sofa or you can get some friends together, get some adventures on the table, and level up.